Hi guys, this today we're going to um, try to keep reading Deep Water by Wat Key. If you remember way back when, when we stopped reading, Mr. Jordan had been attacked by a shark and Julie and Shane are just floating and confused and scared. So today we're going to start on chapter 22. The Jordans had been 30 minutes late for their charter. Dad and I heard them arguing outside the dive shop before they came through the door. Then Shane entered in a huff, his dive bag slung over his shoulder. Use the old one, Mr. Jordan was saying to him. Chill out about it, will you? I liked my new one, Shane snapped. What do you want me to do about it? I want you to put it in my dive bag next time. Mr. Jordan dropped his equipment on the floor beside his sons. Shane looked at Dad and then me like he realized for the first time we were also in the room. I was sure he recognized me, but he didn't act like it. Mr. Jordan approached Dad. How's the visibility out there? Should be pretty good, Dad said. It was good a couple of days ago, but you never know until you get in the water. You got anything decent we can dive? Dad smiled smugly. Yeah, I've got something decent. What? Like that old limbscum tug you took me to last year? I suppose that's where all the other outfits would take you. You're right, Gibby said. There's three other dive shops I could have gone to today. The only real reason I'm standing here right now is because they're booked up. And unless you've got something to offer me that they don't, I doubt I'll be back. Dad maintained a sly grin for a moment longer and then said, Well, you came to the right place, Hank. How do you... A couple of untouched army tanks sound. Three years down, never been fished or dove. Mr. Jordan raised his eyebrows with interest. Where? About 30 miles out. Whose are they? Mine. I put them out there. Mr. Jordan studied him suspiciously. How'd you pull that off? Don't worry about it. Mr. Jordan smiled and nodded slowly. I see, he said, your big secret spot. Well, you got my attention, so what's this going to cost me? Two thousand. One dive. I looked at Dad. He had never charged that much. I looked at Mr. Jordan. He hadn't flinched at the price. He actually appeared to be considering it. What about two dives, Shane interjected. Dad kept his eyes on Mr. Jordan. One dive, Dad said. Then we head in. Mr. Jordan didn't respond. I could see he didn't like someone being firm with him. Or, Dad continued, for your standard 400 and fuel, we can drop anchor at one of those fished-out public reefs like everyone else. Your choice. What's the depth? Mr. Jordan asked. 105 feet, Dad said. Mr. Jordan reached into his bag and pulled out his dive chart and studied it. That's 20 minutes of bottom time without decompression, he looked up. That's $100 a minute. Dad shrugged with a take-it-or-leave-it look. Mr. Jordan dropped the chart back into his bag and looked at his son. You want to do it? Shane nodded greedily. Mr. Jordan turned back to Dad. I saw his weasel brain working. I'll give you $5,000 for the coordinates. I looked at Dad. That kind of money could solve a lot of our problems. Minutes before, I would have told him to take it. But if, but if it was really this easy to get 2000 per trip... We'd make even more than that in a week. No deal, Dad said. My offer's off the tape on the table. My only offer's on the table, sorry. Mr. Jordan stared at him, and I could imagine him using that same look to scare people in the courtroom. 
For the first time in a long time, while I felt myself swelling with pride for Dad, I couldn't remember the last time I'd seen him stand up to someone with such confidence. Fine, Mr. Jordan finally said. We'll do it. Remind me how this works. Pay now or later. You can. You pay us now, I interrupted. Mr. Jordan looked at me. Dad smiled. That's my daughter, Julie, he said. I suppose she's the boss when it comes to the money. I could tell Mr. Jordan didn't like the idea of me getting into the middle of things. He turned to Dad again and pulled out his wallet. As he thumbed a stack of cash onto the counter, I brought him a pen and a waiver form. He glanced over the paper and signed it. I picked it up with the money and counted the bills. When I saw that it was the right amount, I looked at Dad and nodded. Dad slapped his palms on the counter. All right, he said, let's get you boys out there. I thought I would have felt better holding that money, but I didn't. It all seemed too rushed, too thrown together from the beginning. Chapter 23. Now, if you remember, guys, what I just read was Julie going back in time and remembering Shane and his dad booking the trip and getting paid. So now, in chapter 23, we're back to what's really happening with Shane and Julie in the water. Julie, Shane said, what? I see a light. A light? Yeah, he said, like he'd already studied it for a while. I thought he was imagining things. I put my face against his cheek again and tried to line my eyes up with whatever he was looking at. It's red and flashing, he said. I didn't see anything at first. Then I picked out a soft red glow just above the horizon. I was flooded with hope as I considered that red light had to be connected to civilization in some way. Then I reasoned that no land would be this close to blue water, and a boat would have more lights and would never see us, even if we could swim out to it fast enough. It's probably a plane, I said. A plane would have other lights too, Shane said. I thought about that and decided he was right. Planes showed red and green and white like a boat. I flicked my fins and raised my head a few more inches above his shoulder and saw the light glow again. How far away do you think it is, Shane asked. I don't know, I said. It's hard to tell. The light blinked again. If it's moving, I continued, it's not moving very fast. I can't swim that far, he said. It seems like we're moving toward it. Hold on. I let loose of Shane and got out my compass, which still glowed enough for me to read it. I got a bearing on the light and saw that it was south southeast of us. Then I pulled out the marker and dropped it. I watched the line unspool until the end of it was yanked away from my fingers, and for a moment I watched the cork trail past the jellyfish into the depths. It's too deep, I said. Too deep for what? Shane had noticed that I'd lost the marker. It didn't seem to matter. We're probably still drifting to the southeast, so we need to alter our course to the southwest to intercept it. Shane didn't understand, didn't answer. We need to swim cross current, I said. We might be able to make it. My legs are so numb, I don't think I can get them working again. We have to try, I said. I dove under and grabbed one of his legs, bent it, and straightened it. Then I did the same to the other and resurfaced. Anything, I asked? A little, he said. Suddenly, I couldn't stand the thought of us losing more valuable time. I grabbed his arm and began to kick. I think I can pull us a while, I said. Keep trying. I put on my da dive mask, kept my face down, and paddled us silently along. When I wasn't catching a breath or glancing at my compass, I stared past the jellyfish into the endless dark. I imagined moving above the corduroy ripples of the seafloor hundreds of feet below, and this thought gave me a sense of progress. 
After a while, I stopped and got another compass heading on the light. It seemed like we hadn't moved at all. I felt panic begin to grip me. You've got a kick, Shane, I said. I can't do this alone. I've been trying, he said. You've got to try harder. We can't make it like this. And that's where we'll stop for today. So keep watching Google Classroom for two more chapters tomorrow. Bye, guys.